0: a rich man's world. I have turned song of this land, but beautiful... a rich man's world. Welcome back to the I Women's Second Weekly podcast. Sorry if I sound a little bit rubbish today. I, super professional for me. I've come to the UK and I forgot my microphone. Not like I have a podcast or anything that I might need that for, but I actually feel like, you know, that classic, like, dream where you turn up to school without like, your trousers on or something. That's how I feel <laughs> yeah. right now because I don't have a microphone in front of me. But anyway, um, and that is Tilda Price that you just heard. Hey, Tilda. Hello. How are you? How's the UK? Uh, Horrible. It's raining and it's grey and it's cold. But no, it's nice. You know, good to see my family, see the dogs. But get me back to the sun. I On Monday, I was riding in Drona in short sleeves and shorts and Tuesday I was in the snow
1: yeah some of us have to deal with this like all winter round you know like check your privilege please
0: sorry sorry yeah (laughs) for me visiting for a week but I honestly like don't know how you do it but anyway yeah so sorry how are you didn't even ask you how rude of me oh I'm okay thank you yeah
1: you don't have anything more to say that's so convincing okay I'm trying to think it would do i have anything interesting going on in my life no not, not that you can talk about hey
0: <laughs> sneaky sorry sneaky. that <laughs> now now we're doing that old thing anyway <laughs> uh we don't have a guest this week uh nor are we discussing any racing in detail that's happened instead we're asking the question where is the women's milan sanremo uh rcs promised that there would be one in 2023 but it's not looking likely in fact it's not happening um but with their increasing involvement on the women's side of the sport including taking over the juridonna organization from next year will we see one in 2024 do the riders even want one do we want one what would it look like but before we get into all that let's dive into the week's news and first of all probably the biggest piece of news to come out of women's cycling this week is that Kristen faulkner the american rider from jaco alula has been disqualified from strada Bianca by the uci after it was found that she was wearing a continuous glucose monitor during the race that means that cecily ludwig now takes the third spot on the podium i'm sure she would have preferred that to have come a different way um but yeah faulkner she's been disqualified uh Everyone kind of noticed or not everybody, but a lot of people noticed a little circle thing on her arm from the race. Uh, It was quite obvious. And, you know, she was out front solo, so everybody could see it. And a lot, I would not have noticed what this was, but that's because I'm rubbish at all these things. But everybody realized that it was a continuous glucose monitor, which is banned in competition. So you can use it in training, training, and going about your day-to-day life, but during races, you're not allowed to wear one. And it's a ban that's been in place since 2021. So it's not really anything new. Um, Faulkner since released a statement attesting that the monitor wasn't connected to any devices at the time. She said, I have never used glucose data in competition, which I've provided ample evidence of to the UCI. Regardless, the UCI have disqualified it. So that means that she loses her third place. Quickly what do you think Tilda about this?
1: Well it's as we've been saying off mic um, it has sparked a lot of debate about why these devices are banned and whether they should be banned and what advantages there is or isn't but I think the crux of the matter here is that regardless of what we think the current rules are the current rules and they need to be applied essentially um we don't always agree with everything the uci do and the rules that are in their huge long rule book but i do tend to agree with consistency across the board and applying rules that exist um so i think overall it's it's been the right decision and yeah this is kind of the first example that we've seen of someone being found to have been wearing one of these devices whether it's happened before i don't know but yeah so as we were saying the uci really had to make an example here and set a precedent so it is a bit harsh well it may seem harsh and it's obviously going to be a really disappointing result for Faulkner but yeah it's just unfortunate to be the first person in that position and to be the person that has to set the basis for what punishment will be going forward but yeah that rule is now pretty clear to everyone and no one will be making a mistake like that again I don't think.
0: Yeah exactly right I think like it had to be, a precedent had to be set for a sanction for using these these monitors that are, you know, they are banned, so there has to be some sort of punishment. And I think if she got away with just a fine, then teams with bigger budgets or on the men's side or whatever would just be like copying the fine and using them if they are that, you know, useful in race. Like, because I think not, no idea how the science behind it really works but like if you can have something that's telling you telling you when you need to fuel to stop you from bonking in a race that's quite a big advantage I think um so I think yeah I mean the the question of whether or not they should be banned is a separate discussion to whether or not it's fair that she was penalized for wearing it because she knew the rules and at the very least the team should have known the rules so you know and it's a band that's been in place since 2021 it's not new like it's quite it was quite a high profile thing at the time when they banned it as well um and whether or not it was connected is kind of irrelevant um I mean I, I don't know if this is like a good uh comparison or not but um I was just saying to you off Mike I saw someone on Twitter equate it to if a rider at the Olympics road race was wearing a radio, which you're not allowed to do in that race and said, Oh, it was off. Like it's still banned whether or not it's connected or whether or not you're actually using it. So yeah. Unfortunate for her. um, But them's the rules in short.
1: And hopefully it's just a learning experience for everyone in the Peloton that the UCI
0: aren't going to take this lightly. Yeah, absolutely. Next up. We had a bit of racing and we nearly didn't have some racing at the Ronde van Drenta on Sunday. But after various kind of switching up of the route and, you know, the potential for it to happen or not happen because of all the snow, which saw Drenta act the race that would have taken place on the Friday. Is that right? And have I got this wrong? Was Drenta on Saturday? Yeah. Did I say Sunday? I said Sunday, I think. Um, Drenta Act, which should have happened on Friday, was actually completely called off because of, of the heavy snow in Belgium. So they shortened and sort of tweaked the Drenta course slightly. And Lorena Weber still went ahead and won it, as we predicted, as Tilda predicted. She got her prediction right. Yeah, how shocking do you feel? Me. Even on a totally different course.
1: A lot of people, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, uh, the course was kind of harder because the, the Vanberg was in there six times instead of three. But I was going off on one a little bit about how the Vanberg is just a stupid shit climb. So, <laughs> so it's not a huge surprise that Vibus just won anyway. Um, SD Works completely dominated that race with five riders in the front group. So yeah, no surprise there really, um, even if he changed the course. Drenta is her race, and she's now won it three times in a row. Can she make it four and beat Mariana Voss's record there? We'll have to see. Mm.
0: Yeah, you, you, were, you were working that day, right? So you were watching the race pretty closely. It just seemed like the SD work show completely. There were a few teams giving it a crack. The Jumbo were in there, kind of. Anna Henderson was doing a pretty good job, but no one could really do anything about SD works it seemed
1: no yeah there wasn't really much to be done because as well because all the teams had come with sprint teams anyway because that's that's usually it, it is a sprinty race so they were prepared for that so it wasn't like there were many attacking type riders in in the race anyway um and, yeah, when you've got Vibus there with four teammates, it's pretty hard for any other teams to have a go. Teams were trying a lot, though, and, and it was actually really good to see teams like Yamavisma and also Uno X, who then got a podium finish, um, having a go. But I think the win was kind of... It wasn't really going to go to anyone else. Um, So, yeah, but it, it, it was interesting when they finally started racing a little bit because the first half they were clearly just cold and couldn't be bothered to, to do anything. So, yeah.
0: And there was a massive crash, no? There was a huge pile up. People have probably seen the images from that. So Yeah, that was that was pretty grim and,
1: and was kind of the thing that shook the race apart. Um so yeah, who knows what would have happened if there hadn't been that crash, but they might have just carried on in a one big group forever. Um but yeah, it sounds like there weren't too, too many injuries, serious injuries out of that. I know Taylor Wiles. Um Well, she I mean, ended up in a ditch. Um I think right. Yeah. So yeah. So definitely a few
0: riders a little bit tall after that race. Uh, the next race to happen was Nokera Corsa, which happened on Wednesday, yesterday, as we record. Lotte Kopecky won that one, so another one for SD Works, but. The win for Kopecky came after her brother very sadly died on Saturday, and she said in a post-race interview, which I thought was really touching. It seemed like there were two of us riding. Um, it was really emotional after the race, um, but yeah, it was. I think it's really brave of her to to turn up to the race after that, and um, I know she she did mention in some comments about just kind of taking her mind off it and doing something positive, which I think is what you would really want to do in that situation and yeah just um hope hope she's okay and uh wish they're the best and her win also makes it three SDWorks wins in a row lately so they really are kind of dominating so far And we'll have to see if SC Ricks can make it four at Binder this weekend. There's not much of a start list going on at the minute, but one person we do know who will not be racing, some breaking news just in as we record, is Elisa Longo-Borghini, who is a two-time winner of this race. I literally wrote about this yesterday. Yes, she is. She won it twice. Um, She will not be racing because she's had COVID. So after Omelope, she had said that she was ill and turns out she's had a pretty bad case of COVID by the sounds of things. Um, So hopefully she gets better soon, but she won't be at her home race at Binder, unfortunately. And finally, uh, after the route announcement last week where they revealed quite a large budget deficit for this year's race, the women's tour organisers have set up a crowdfund so anyone... Any fan can donate as little as £5 to try and get the race off the ground. Um, Further details of that can be found on the race's social media and website. But yeah, it's kind of a sad state of affairs for a race that used to be one of the best on the calendar to kind of have to be putting their hands out like this for funding. And hopefully it drums up enough publicity for a a big sponsor to come on instead. Yeah, it's really difficult
1: yeah i i think that yeah it's possible that this
0: is more of a
1: awareness raising thing than than believing that they can fund the whole race through crowdfunding but yeah it, it kind of i guess it's them putting their hands up and saying we really do need some help here and hopefully it it works out um would be a real shame to lose this race so yeah i hope someone can step in with some some funding so we can see that race go ahead in june
0: Yeah, it would be a massive shame not to see that race on the calendar. Um, You know, it's kind of been reduced in size this year and scale, and it's had some trouble in the past few seasons, but hopefully they can pull through. Shall we move on to the discussion for this week? Yes, please. Milan or Sanremo? I've got opinions. Have you? That's rare for me. I know, I know. (laughs) also before you get started obviously this is a podcast so it really doesn't matter but is it San Remo one word or San Remo separate I thought it was separate because okay. I've seen it
1: so I think in English it's separate so it's Milan San space Remo if we're speaking in English uh-huh I think in Italian it should be Milano because that's in Italian Milano. San Remo one thing so uh-huh thought like you can't make some match. I could be I want to know what, it, what does
0: it say on like the the sign as you go into the town Do you know what I mean that's that's where I'm going off like
1: Look, on Wikipedia it says Sanremo or Sanremo <laughs> Oh my Both.
0: word But well, I, I think go.
1: I think in Italian it's all one word and in English we tend to say separate words but
0: well it doesn't matter on this podcast I guess because <laughs> we say Sanremo the same so maybe you say it like real fast Sanremo or Sanremo Anyway that's a that's a whole rabbit hole no rabbit what am i saying Rabbit hole yeah rabbit hole yeah oh my god my brain is not working today but what
1: it definitely isn't is San Remo that's
0: what i don't like oh do people say San Remo Mm, Milan San Remo oh don't say that anyway um if you subscribe if you're a paid subscriber to our newsletter you will have seen uh yesterday's newsie that came out yesterday about Binder, but within that, we'd sort of discussed before some BTS for you here. We'd sort of said, oh, let's investigate what happened to the promised Milan San Remo from last year, which Tilda actually pointed out I had completely forgotten despite the fact that I wrote it up for cycling tips last year. Um and we thought, oh, let's let's dig into that. But we didn't get a chance to really find anything. We're waiting for comments from RCS. That's how. It all works. There's no point making assumptions. So I wrote about Binder instead. But while we can't write like a fully tight article about it, we can have a discussion about a potential mil- women's Milan San Remo. But just to keep you up to date, if you didn't see that, last year at a pre detelio press conference, uh, the managing director of RCS Sport, who own Milan San Remo, Paolo Bellino, said this, we are working this year to launch a Melanzan Remo for Women because I think that it's a spring monument event that should be for the women. Of course, not such a long distance, but we are working now to guarantee it for next year. It would be on the same day, so it would be in the same format as Strada Bianca, which is a race they also run. So that was last year. Guarantee it for next year, were his words. Here we are in next year, 2023. Where is it? It's not here. Yeah, it it seemed like it just kind of dropped out of uh,
1: consciousness. When the calendar was announced in December, it wasn't there. Uh, So, yeah, we were, as you say, we reached out for RCS to comment, but our colleague Kirsten Frattini from Cycling News actually found that uh, Bellino had spoken to Bissi Pro, which is an Italian outlet, um, and kind of confirmed that it was not going ahead this year. Obviously, we already knew that, but they haven't forgot about it completely. They're um, they are they're now saying next year. So who knows if that really means next year, but um, it is still in their mind, and especially now that they'll be taking over the Donne from next year. Uh, last year, obviously, that was just a plan. This year it was confirmed, and they won the bid to do that. Um, so yeah, Milan-San Remo next year. What do we think?
0: Yeah, it was, like, quite a big debate last year about... Oh, I remember, anyway, like, people sort of saying... It kind of rose, reared its head, this whole discussion of, like, should there be a women's Milan-San Remo? And there were, like, almost two sides of the debate where one was kind of like, well, will it overshadow Trofeo Alfredo Bindo, which is like, a really long-standing women's race. It's been running since 1974, which, if you read the newsletter, you would know. Um, and it kind of like the logistical side of it, obviously if it's run on the same day as the men's race, which literally goes, it's a nine to five shift guys. It's a nine to six shift. It's long. And I've never done one in my life. Um, I have, that's a lie. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird one. So we were just talking about off mic, you know, this idea of protecting women's only, long standing women's only races run by individual um organizers or independent organizers um which Tilda has some thoughts on actually not to throw you under the bus
1: yeah I I don't know if this is gonna become it's gonna sound really controversial but I I completely see the view of that I don't think the organizers who have been committed to women's cycling for years and years and years should be pushed out by these big men's focused organizations I think that would be a shame and I think we should pay back the people that have held up this sport for a long time but at the same time it is also true that it's it's these long existing races and their organizers that have um that uh kind of bought into the idea that women's races are shorter and smaller profile and perhaps not as professional in their organization and, and as much as Yes, there are downsides to organizations like RCS and ASO kind of wading in without the experience. It is also true that they bring a level of professionalism and money and infrastructure that these individual and independent races just, just don't have. Um and so I, I don't I'm never gonna be someone who's like rejecting the, the involvement of RCS on a kind of moralistic level. Um, because I do think that if we want a professional calendar and things like that, then we need professional organisers. And at the end of the day, it's it's those organisers that have spent, you know, the last hundred years organizing men's races that, that have that experience. So yeah, I'm kind of I also would not want to see Binder fall off the calendar because it is a great race. But I think that I think the two could probably um coexist and I don't think that RCS should be like shunned just because you know, they may only be realising now that they should commit to women's racing, but I do think it's better late than never. Um, And we can't, you know, I think this is where progress and investment comes from. is from these huge organ- organisers. And essentially, if we want the sport to grow and the profile to grow and there to be money and professional treatment of riders, then we have to kind of welcome them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at the way that, Haribo Femme and Tour de France Femme has changed the landscape of the women's side of the sport to see evidence of how having a big, experienced, well-known, well-rehearsed organiser involved makes a huge difference. And there's no getting away from that. You know, it's a it's the reality that although these organisers have kind of dragged their feet, for a long time they are getting involved now and i think there's there's very little to be gained from like you say shunning them for taking so long um they're here now so we should just cut. Kind of, and you know the thing is too is that these are businesses at the end of the day and and it's just it was at like now that women's cycling is growing and it oh. it's taken these smaller organizers and like you know grassroots like campaigning and things like that like we can't ignore that involvement in the growth of women's cycling but they now have an incentive to get involved like business wise in the sport yeah is a good thing I
1: guess and if they were wading in with some inferior product in terms of when I say product, I mean like race in general. Then I would understand it. But in general, they're not doing that. They're wading in with a pretty good product. Like, I mean, you only have to look at the Giro Donne versus the Tour de France fam. Like, it that the Tour de France fam was a more commercially commercially viable race, and yeah, in terms of the organisation and the way riders were treated and the money involved and even in some in some respects like the stages that they designed. So, yeah, if they were coming in and and providing us with, like, shit races, like, you know, old versions of La course were, then you can turn around and say, no, thank you, we've got experienced people who are doing this better. But they're not. They they really do have the capability to put on really good races. And so if there was a chance to put on a really good Milan-San Remo, then why should we say no to that?
0: Yeah, exactly. And like you say, like, there's no, it's not an either-or situation. Like, nobody's sitting here saying, like, no one's got a gun to, like, Milan San Remo or Binder and they're saying like which one gets Mm. it like no we can have both I think unfortunately it would probably mean that Binder might have to move in its calendar spot but I don't think that is to be honest what would make a lot of sense is to have Binder come quite like the next weekend or the next day even from Strata Bianchi or like quite close into to to Bianchi like we see Belgian midweek races. Why can't we have a midweek Italian race? Like it could come the Wednesday before or after Strada, for example. I don't think that would diminish it as a as an event. Uh, I think riders would still see it. It's it's whole. It the it, bleh, it holds the prestige that it does because it's been around for so long, and and the riders are gonna and teams are gonna respect it, and they're gonna do it justice, regardless of whether it's still in the same spot on the calendar or whatever or whether there's a women's Milan San Remo a few weeks later um and yeah the riders in fact they want it a lot of them want it last year Lizzie Dignan, Elisa Longo-Borghini, Elisa Balsamo, Marta Cavalli all came out in favor of a women's Milan San Remo um no surprises that most of those riders are Italian (laughs) that have said this but um you can see why Lizzie Dagnan wants it too. Like I can totally see her winning a race like Milan-San Remo. It kind of suits her down to the ground. But um, yeah. And then recently Annemiek Van Vluten spoke to Cycling News and she also said that she would love to see a women's Milan-San Remo. And in typical Annemiek Van Vluten style, she said she would like it to be 200 or 250 kilometers long. Which, you know what? Go for your life, Annamie. Like, why not? It's it, the kind of whole point of Milan San Remo is that it's this massive challenge. It's a really long race. And while I'm not usually inclined to agree with the people who are like, why aren't women's races the same length as men's? And like, you know, the Tour de France Femme should eventually become three weeks long. I think in this case, when it's a one day race and it's known for how long it is and how kind of that is kind of part of what the race is. I don't see why not.
1: No, I think, and for for me, this has always been a reason why I've been a little bit anti at women's Milan-San Remo because you just know that it probably wouldn't be that long. And as you say, that is Milan-San Remo's like USP, is that it's 300 kilometres long for the men. And so if it didn't have that length, what it wouldn't be a women's Milan-San Remo, it would be a women's race that finished in San Remo. So I, I do think that it, I would, if we are going to have it, I would prefer it to have also that, like, marathon-type length. I mean, even if it was 180 kilometres, that's quite long for the women's peloton. Um, but I do, th- yeah, if it was, like, 120 kilometres and if it possibly didn't have the Cipessa and the Poggio, then I'm thinking this isn't a mo- women's Melbourne Rainbow. This is just a women's race. Um,
0: wow. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, so that is the issue because... Um... The comments from Bellino kind of don't fill us with a whole lot of hope for that. Maybe we'll hear more from RCS and they'll clarify this, but he said um, it'll be held on the same day, but on a different route, probably from Arenzano to San Remo. I think that it'd be a great race. Uh, And Kirsten at Cycling News did some... I don't know, did some route planning, but she figured out that it's 120 kilometers between those places. So pretty rubbish. Like that's not long at all. Like the maximum distance is 160K for a one day race. Is it? Or 170, sorry, 170K. Anyways, 120K is nothing, especially for a women's Milan san Remo, which that's like half the distance of the men's race. And in the same article, Kirsten wrote, it was unclear if the women's route would cover the decisive late race climbs over the Cipressa and the Poggio but Bellino noted that it would include the Tricapi if a women's Milan San Remo doesn't include the Cipressa and the Poggio, what is the actual point? (laughs) Well, this is the thing, what
1: is the point? Like, we talk about whether we need races that are replicas of men's races or not and that's a whole other debate but if you are going to put a women's version of a men's race, it needs to have some sense of the same identity. Like, you know, it's like if you had Paris Bay without cobbles, like it just wouldn't <laughs> do it. it. Doesn't
0: it? Doesn't make sense? It's, well, it's, some it's no longer that race, is it? Some would say that, like, because it doesn't have the Ironberg. But... Well, yeah, <laughs> but that that's a debate for a few weeks' time. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, for the logistical sticklers amongst us amongst you guys um I don't think many people who listen to this will really quibble at that but you know there's plenty of races that don't actually traverse the advertised point to point that they say on the tin like no Harry Bay fam starts in Dinan is it right Dinan? Liege Baston, um, Liege
1: just goes from Baston to Liege and even the men's
0: races like the men's Paris Bay doesn't actually start in Paris it's not like it's on the Champs-Élysées and then it ends up in like you know um, so it can still be called Milan San Remo or whatever it's Paris Bay, um, but yeah, we would like it to go a little bit further than 120k and have the trademark class, like the podio. If you don't have the podio, what is the point?
1: Because what what is Milan San Remo without the podio? I just truly it
0: doesn't. I, I can't and don't disappoint Marta Cavalli because she said last year that she did the Poggio 15 times at a camp last year, so 2021. She says, I know it well. I would love to play out a big fight with all the riders from the Women's World Tour on the Poggio. It would be a dream to win San Remo. So who are they to let down Marta Cavalli? And everybody else, for that matter. But yeah, we're getting irate about something that might not even happen, <laughs> but still.
1: But I, I think it is worth talking about, and I think it's worth re- reminding the listeners that the that Melan- that. RCS said this last year because it's good to remember when when organisers do and don't deliver on their promises and and it is a big debate and it's only going to, you know, it will come up again this weekend when people remember there's not a women's version because luckily most of the Classics now we do have a women's version of it. Um, And I think it is good to set some expectations of what it would be. So if it comes out in October this year that they've got a route planned I think it is good to be able to look at that with a critical eye and say, mm, hang on, is this what we want from this race? Because we are entitled to ask for what we want, I think, in this sport. So, yeah. Personally, it does surprise me that so many riders want the race. I guess it is mainly Italians, but I would have thought that a lot of riders would have thought it was a an unnecessary addition to the calendar because it's kind of a long and boring race. But it seems a lot of riders would be really up for it
0: i actually think that the common or my my perception of the the way a lot of the riders see these things is that they want the same spotlight that the men's peloton have and if they can get races that get that much publicity they want that and they and also i think for a lot of them they would have grown up watching men's racing too or mainly men's racing, actually, for a certain generation because women's racing wasn't really available to watch. And so these races are iconic for them because they're iconic for the men's peloton. And that's why they want their own versions of them because they want to be able to replicate the races that they grew up on, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I think that's entirely true. Like, we can kind of try and... um Uh, stamp our more theoretical opinions onto these things and and argue that the women's calendar shouldn't have to replicate the men's to be successful and women should doesn't don't always have to be held up against the standard of men but at the end of the day there are there are a lot of pretty obvious reasons why the riders would want that and You know, they're also the ones that have the experience of, of racing these races and the treatment that you get between different um, organizers. And you know, if you'd prefer to to race in a race organized by a big organization and with bigger prize money and more professional broadcast, then I can I can totally understand that.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said for the women's calendar kind of replicating the narrative that already exists within the men's, which is one that makes sense to most fans. And if we want to get more fans across to women's from men's, which the reality is that that is where the majority of them would come from, the calendar, the braces, need to kind of make sense against the backdrop of what's already established, which is men's racing. So I think that just kind of, it, it makes sense that there that there should be this structure that exists already and i don't think that it is detrimental to women's cyclone to follow that it's it happens in a lot of sports where you know women and men do the same events like tennis they do the same grand slams i do i know nothing about tennis but you know well tennis
1: is a really good example i think because yeah they 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 have the same grand slams and the same high level non slam competitions and then they kind of go their separate ways around that so then you sprinkle in competitions that are just men or just women and they have their own separate um finals at the end of the year and I, and i think that is that is a good thing like as you say if we have this core narrative of the solid races going down the middle of the calendar and then we split off and pepper in different things a different way it's like how you have Om loop both on the same day and then they go and do different races the next day and it kind of it works because they're coming together and going apart so you can attract the fans but it's not you're not stuck to one another and you can only do the same races and I think it helps build a calendar that works for everyone while still having the benefit of exposing fans who are largely men's fans to the women's the women's calendar and peloton
0: yeah yeah, and I think it works to have these like big hallmark races, these huge events that are, uh, have for both men and women and th- therefore attract like the big fan base. And then, which brings me, actually, this is such a clunky segue, I'm sorry, but this brings me <laughs> to the fact that if we had a women's San Remo, we would then have four of the five monuments for women. The only one missing would be Lombardia. So I don't know what to think about that. Tilda, you've got opinions on monuments in general. Yeah, I tend to kind of
1: think that the whole concept of a monument is kind of, well, it is just like made up. Like they don't have any real standing (laughs) in terms of like they carry more UCI points or anything like that. And on the men's side, I tend to kind of view them as I think I said to you, like the founding fathers of the classics, like they're kind of the longest running. They've been around, most of them have been around for, you know, a hundred years now. Um, And they're these kind of five key points during the year that are, that are the biggest races and have loads and loads of history. Um, And so that can be hard to translate into women's cycling because there isn't so much history. And if we did base it on history, races like Flanders and Roubaix wouldn't be women's monuments, which, does that make sense? Um, and so I don't think Liège so.
0: was only introduced in, like, 2017, you know? So. Well,
1: exactly, exactly, whereas it's been around forever and ever on the men's. And I, so I do think that having monuments or not is, like, not a concern for the women's peloton. But if the women are also racing on the days that the men are doing their monuments have a reason to be monuments because they've been around 100 years we just don't have that for women then that is a good thing and, and it doesn't mean that Lombardi becomes a women's monument because it may not end up being that important for the women's peloton but at least it is there and they're racing on that day and the exposure is there but um there's a lot of debate around what the women's monuments would be if you made them and I just don't really get it to be honest <laughs>
0: I kinda of, I kind of understand why they're why people want to attribute that to it though. Like because again, it's like there's this it's this touch point in the men's calendar that we're trying to equate the women's calendar to make sense of it in a format that is already established. So I think I do get why people are trying to say, Oh, what would be the women's monuments? Um, I don't know, it's kind of fun. Like Binder would obviously be one. So there's mm-hmm. a difference there. Um, but yeah, I, ca- I can't see this like same structure being applied where it's like there's these like four or five one day races that make up a set. Like, cause no- is it true that nobody actually knows where it comes from, even on the men's side? Like the actual origin of establishing the monuments, nobody's actually sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's all a bit up for debate. And, it, and you know, it comes around every time when Strade starts and should that be a monument? And it's like, Strade if it was a human, couldn't even buy a pint in a bar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How is that a monument? Like, there's a lot of people that would buy one for it. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which, so, like, I don't know, is it the hardest races? Is it the most important races? But I think those kind of, like they just like self-identify anyway, don't they? Like, yeah, we know what the most important and hardest races on the women's calendar are. And yeah, Peru Bay is one of them and it hasn't been around forever, but it's so clearly one of the most important races on the calendar. And so I think it kind of just like will evolve naturally. We don't have to sit here and make a list and email it around to everyone and say, look, these are the monuments. Like, It just, (laughs) it it has to develop naturally. And that that must've been what happened on the men's side of it. People just started calling these races the monuments. And there's no hard and fast rule and no one's going to give a certificate to Strada Bianchi saying you're officially now a monument. <laughs> it's just
0: like, it's just vibes, isn't it? If there's anyone that can make a list and email it around and establish women's <laughs> monuments, it's us. So maybe we just send out oh, a newsletter <laughs> one day and we just say, here guys, these are the monuments, don't argue, this is what it is. Final I a word, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we have spoken. Yeah. Side note, I've just got this up on Google right now because I wasn't actually 100% sure which races were monuments. Which one's the oldest on the men's side? Do you Liege. think? It is tied with Lombardia. Both of them began in, get this, 1892.
1: Yeah. Well, Women's they call, racing
0: could never. They
1: call Liege La Doyenne, I think, which means like. That's right. The old lady. The old race, lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I always remember that. But yeah, like, I don't know. It's no great shame that we don't have races that have been around for like, well, it is a shame, but it's not a source of shame that yeah. we don't have races that have been around for a hundred years. And I don't think we need to try and copy and paste that onto women's races. And also, like, some of the races that have been around forever are like not the best races. <laughs> like, should flesh be a monument? I don't know. No. <laughs> so I think this, this this debate is just going to continue and continue and continue and no one's going to agree and i think we should all just let go of the idea of caring about the
0: monuments like pet the monuments sorry pete Cossins. it's
1: it's just arbitrary you know and it is not i think it works on the men's side and the five seem kind of clear but also it's just not a big issue
0: maybe in a hundred years time we'll have a set of women's monuments fully established and maybe they'll be the same and maybe they'll be different but and maybe if you're listening to this in 20 21 <laughs> 23
1: you'll have a totally different opinion you know pop podcast gonna last forever we won't be around to see it so i
0: don't we'll care be dead we don't care don't at us beyond the grave <laughs> um no i think also to go back to your earlier point about kind of there is no shame that there's not this long history. I think we can be in danger sometimes of almost pretending that women's cycling is further along its development than it actually is. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm.
0: And again, like you say, I don't think there's any shame in acknowledging that there's a lot still to be done and there's a long way still to go. And that includes the way the races are raced, the depth in the Peloton, like the races that exist and the history of them and how they're run. Like I think it's it's disingenuous to directly, I mean it's disingenuous to directly compare to men's anyway. But in terms of of trying to apply, you know, tactics from the men's side, for example, or mm-hmm. some of the things we see like riders being pure climbers or pure sprinters we have to acknowledge that we're not yet at a stage where that exists. And I also think that to pretend that it's not heading in that direction is also not necessarily right, because I think the logical conclusion of the professionalisation and development of women's racing is that it becomes a lot more similar to the men's side of the sport, whether we like it or not, because some people seem to not.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think this comes back to... Um, our little book pitch that we've been planning in our heads (laughs) just now but I do genuinely think that right now is really just the beginning of the modern era of women's cycling because we've only just got the women's tour de france it's only now that we have a whole peloton worth of riders who are doing it full time and being paid for it like we can't pretend that the modern era started in 2010 because it just didn't because that we there was not the level of racing or the level of professionalism or even just as i say the level of people that were professional cyclists there so weren't races think, no exactly i think it it really is only starting now and the calendar is only starting to be formed and trying to pretend that the women's calendar is established now is is as you say is disingenuous the men's calendar is established there are very few new races or changes. The women's calendar has not settled down. You know, it's not the same this year as it was last year. We need to have at least like three years of a consolidated calendar. And so I think if that means in the in the next couple of years, we do have races cropping up like Milan-San Remo and things like that. It is okay to be just building the calendar properly now, especially if it means building something That is going to work long long term and, as you say, work on the same scale that the men's does. Not necessarily replicate the calendar exactly, but replicate the structure and the success, basically. So I think, yeah, when we've been watching women's cycling or been involved with it for a long time, it's easy to think this is all coming way too late. But actually, I think we are only just now working out the calendar and then hopefully that will be really long term.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, like you say as well, it's not that long ago that we barely had, in the last few years, if you look even two years ago, how many riders were racing full time, what races existed, how they were run. Like, you know, the, the Giro Rosa was getting chopped around like a football until, and it's mm-hmm. only next year that it's going to get picked up by like a proper Grand Tour organizer. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about this the other day for something else, but pre-2014, 2015, the only classics were Drenter, Binder, uh, Flanders, uh, and, and Flesh. Flesh. And that was it. Omelette was added in 2006, but it, in 2017, Liege, Amsel, there was only one Auden classic. Until... Before 2017. Um, Depana, 2018. Not that that's, like, a huge, huge one. But Strada, 2015. This is really recent. Mm. Like, you know, Ruby was only 2021.
1: That's the thing. that tr- Trying to pretend that the classics calendar we have now is, like, the calendar is just silly. Because it's... As you say, we've only had it for two years, essentially. And so we need to be, I think we should continue to be open to change and open to working out what is the kind of ideal classics calendar still. And I don't think that it's right to say that there's no room here for the milan san remo I I think there could well be.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and as I was saying before, I don't think it should come at the expense of standalone women's races that have been around for a long, long time. I think hopefully we can preserve those at the same time. I think it's a real shame that we've seen this, um, the Swedish Borgorda races um, be cancelled that's I don't know that's down to just like the sad reality of how the business of running events works um, but yeah I think they sh- they should be able to the, the established independent women's races should be able to live alongside these um, big headline classics like like a Milan-San Remo or a paris Um and yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all to add a Milan-San Remo. I think it would add a lot to the women's calendar, and I think the riders and the fans would mostly be happy about it. I would. So that's all that matters, really, isn't it? I would <laughs> essentially, yeah. <laughs>
1: if Amy Jones is happy, then I don't know what more people want. <laughs> oh. We so got yeah. so serious in this podcast.
0: We were having <laughs> yeah, a Yeah, let's drop in some jokes talk. now,
1: please. Thank you. Quick. Bring the lols. We we're really thinking about Balance. like feminism
0: and commercialism and <laughs> the future. <laughs> <laughs> the big ideas with capital B and capital I. <laughs> but I do think um
1: not to be super meta about it, but it is good sometimes to have these like deeper discussions and not just talk every week about the racing that's happened and yeah, think wider term and as you say remind people that things were extremely different 10 years ago and it's okay if they're going to be pretty different in 10 years time too
0: yeah I can't wait to see where we are in 10 years time or even five years time even three years time I mean look at three years ago
1: yeah like post post-olympics I think is going to be yeah a new thing as well the Tour de France farm is going to develop and be moving around and stuff like that so we are in, we're here like, for it. And we're in a period of change, and I think welcoming that change is a good thing, mm-hmm. rather than saying, no, Binder must be protected at all costs because it's been here since 1974. It should be protected, but there needs to be
0: flexibility, I think, and open-mindedness. Absolutely. I well, think on that note, I think we've um, covered plenty Two Chew your ears off about this. We we really
1: have. Um, Hopefully it made sense. Definitely go and read Kirsten's article on Cycling News about this yeah. with, with input from Anna Meek as well. It's really, really interesting and the most in-depth thing you can read about the, this at the moment. Um, We'll link that in, in the show notes. And yeah, this weekend, if you're going to watch Melanzai Remo, enjoy that. Don't forget to tune in to Binder on Sunday as well.
0: And if you listen to this podcast, I expect you to be doing that anyway but yes absolutely it's going to be exciting the whole time you can watch it i think there's usually a decent amount of broadcast time for for this race that always has been which is another big plus to that organizer and it's usually pretty spicy there's no need for a website called is Binder exciting yet.com i'll tell you that much (laughs) lol Anyway, on that terrible dad joke, don't forget to check out the Women's Psycho Weekly newsletter. All the deets are in the show notes for that. If you're already a subscriber, we love you. You're great. Thanks very much for supporting. And we'll see you next week with, who knows? Because this is a potluck podcast now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. A it's me.